Left. Right. Hey, what's up there? Thank you for tuning in. I think you'll like this episode. We talk a little bit about the history of Black Friday, which is uh, pretty cool. I didn't know much about it. I didn't actually know what Black Friday meant. I thought it was a financial thing, but listen on. You'll learn a little bit. We also uh, we digressed a little bit in uh, vaccine mandate argument. Uh, my mind's still not made up, but uh, I certainly had not had my argument points uh, in this episode. But you, you'll hear and uh, let me know what you think about the vaccine mandate. And uh, we start off talking a little bit about our Halloween, our post-pandemic Halloween, and how we had much different Halloweens. Uh, New Jersey to South Carolina. Uh, but on that note, uh, I'll let you listen to the episode, let you watch the episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe, like, comment, interact any way you can, and I'll be appreciative. I'll see you guys on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Welcome, everyone, to Sip Talk, episode 146. My name is Justin DiGiulio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James the Bosnator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, an accountant, a professional referee, and a professional bartender. James, how's it hanging? Uh, things are solid right now. Um, it's not October anymore, but it's still like October weather here, which is by far the best month of Charleston. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's hot the majority of the year. And, and uh, I know from experience, you get that nice October, November cool down. And I know December, January winter months can be kind of cold, but it's uh, it's nice down there right now. There's a lot of variance in like December and January, but like October and November, it's typically like 70 to 80 degrees during the day and like 55 to like 65 at night. Well, that's not, I it's think just our, perfect. I think our high today in, in New York was like 52. So you're winning. Uh, it's uh, it's getting cold. And now that I live in the suburbs, I got some got some plants outside. I uh, got to move in. There's a, a, a freeze warning tonight. So I got to move some plants inside. But so today I want to talk about, I, I will do a little Black, Black Friday talk, a little global climate summit talk, but Halloween has just passed us. I'm new to the suburbs. I've been in the city for a long time, and uh, I know very little about Halloween in the suburbs. I just missed it last year. Uh, I'm curious what your experience was like now that you, you basically have a house, you're no longer in a, a townhouse type situation. Did you have any trick-or-treaters? Yes. Were you prepared for trick-or-treaters? Not directly. My roommate was. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, what did you guys, what would you hand out for candy? I don't know. Probably good stuff. Like, Oh, you were non-participatory. Well, so um, he got a whole bunch of candy. And um, while he was, like, he was sitting out front. Oh, he, um, sat, he just sat out front. Yeah. Uh, tactic um, I didn't think of. Yeah, he sat out front, and so for maybe about 45 minutes or an hour, I joined him and just kind of bullshitted with him while we watched the the small parade of people walk by. And you, you live in like a neighborhood, right? Yeah. All right. And But you, did, you, did you have any of his candy? 
Oh, yeah, I've eaten some of it. What kind of candy? That's what I'm curious. Like Snickers, Hershey's. Uh-huh. Nice. That's not that's not bad candy. Full size, baby size, bite um, size. At the end of the night when he went to restock because we were running low, he bought full size stuff. So I was like, anybody that comes now is winning the lottery. <laughs> One year I bought like, like I don't know, a ton of money worth of full size stuff because I couldn't find any bags in my when I was in the city, any, any bags in the local grocery stores. Um, but look, I had a slightly different experience, although I feel like I would have felt really desperate uh, sitting on the on the front steps, <laughs> but on the, on the porch. But uh, so, so get this. We got 13 bags of candy and uh, made sure that we got like some good candy, not like just the kind of cheap stuff. We tried to get like some nice candies, some Hershey's, some, uh, Twix, peanut butter cups and, and a, a bunch of other mixed stuff in there. M&M's. 13 bags. You know how many trick-or-treaters we had? Now, bear in mind, we had the, the front of the house was decorated. Lights were on. I put some Halloween. I found a Halloween music playlist, playing a Halloween music playlist and a little Bose speaker out front. You know how many trick-or-treaters we had? I'm going to oh, guess zero. Uh, by the way, we were, we were dressed up. I'm going to guess zero. <laughs> not a soul. <laughs> Literally not a single person. And I live, in a, I live in a neighborhood. There's like a street with families and some kids, some old people. Houses are somewhat close to each other, not super close to each other, but like you could walk house to house. It sounds I, like your neighborhood's a little less densely populated than mine. Yeah, I, I think so. But I will, <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I was severely disappointed from uh, like four o'clock, maybe onwards. I was I had music playing. Super expecting to see some kids got dressed up in a costume. Uh, what were you? <laughs> uh so you know the Squidworm uh TV show you didn't Squid Games? Yeah, I haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah, you haven't watched it. Well, it's about the Korean people that, that basically get killed. But uh she was one of the one of the participants, the lady participant. I was the 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 main bad guy, which has a mask on. He's got a big, big uh black jacket on. And uh I was actually worried the costume wasn't gonna come in time. And uh, it came in time, but but nobody showed up, so I was really really disappointed. And uh, it was a it was a somebody. Uh, John just asked, "Is this a, a truly? This is a truly a uh, it's a truly." Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I, I didn't it, dress up. I just sat on the front like front area and had like wine. Well, my my, my concern was that we weren't prepared, and then you know because there are like some kids in this neighborhood, but you know, I also know there's like some teenagers. I see some of the signs out uh, on people's lawns, like congratulations, graduates of whatever year it is, 2021, uh, you know, whatever. So I know there's like some teenagers in the neighborhood. So I was afraid if we weren't ready, like the house would get egged, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I, yeah, and I was very, it was really, it was, it was really lame on my part. It was actually really, really sad <laughs> how far back is your house from the street uh i mean you can see it there's not much tree coverage so i don't know well, you you'll have to come check it out so look uh i know the climate summit is happening right now the global climate summit although it's I think it under- just finished yeah it's my understanding that uh i think it finished today okay but uh, uh it's my understanding that russia and china uh sat this out they they did not participate I could be I could be wrong on that, but I feel like they would be, especially China, would be one that you would really want 
to engage in this discussion. Yeah, I know that when it like with the Paris Climate Accord, that China actually made some meaningful concessions. Um, I don't know too much. I haven't followed any of the news about the this most recent one. But whenever I hear about a global climate summit, I, I just think like we've tried nothing and we're out of ideas. That's that's exactly what it sounds like. We have tried absolutely nothing. Or, you know, we've committed to trying things, haven't enacted them, and we've given up ideas. Uh, to answer John's question, this is the uh, the citrus squeeze, truly. James, yes. for uh, for our readers, what are you uh, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. For the for those of you not familiar with my my sip talk drink, it is a cold can of bush ice. At least it's cold today because it's not. It's not no, that like. Cold. When, when I was in the apartment, I didn't have that much storage space in the refrigerator. So I'm just like, screw it. I'll have to drink warm beer because I don't have room for beer in the refrigerator. We have three fridges here. So one of them is a dedicated beer fridge. I, it's I small, like it. but it, it works. Um, we should say hi to Shihiraba and Sepits from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, yeah, definitely rooting for the Braves, actually, because um, I don't like the Houston Astros since they got caught cheating like a couple years ago. Now I just root against them out of principle. So um, back to back to the climate talks. I don't have too much to say in it, but but I, I, I feel some frustration with with, you know, hearing, you know, like uh, they're setting goals for like 2050 now and 2060, which is so far in the future. And they're, they actually sound like pretty shitty goals, like uh, carbon neutral to me is or, you know, like paying offsets with taxes or whatever that might be. Uh, to me, sounds kind of bullshit. Like you can, you can uh, throw a bunch of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, um, but then you can just pay it back. It's kind of like the indulgences with the Catholic Church. So yeah, it's so very like similar. you're allowed to like, do wrong a, as long as you as long as you donate money back to I somewhere else. It makes it so. Right now they don't have to pay anything for it. And it, 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 in economic terms, it's, this is what's called an externality. So let's say I run a factory mm -hmm. and that factory is in a city or whatever. And that factory produces a bunch of smoke and other stuff, right? We're not even talking about climate change. We're just talking about like the smoke that the factory creates and its effect on the neighborhood, right? So that factory gets to produce these things and sell these things. And the costs associated with people breathing in that smoke and like what it does to the property values and everything else around there the factory doesn't have to pay for it. but it's a negative economic effect of the factory but the factory isn't the one suffering the effects of it and so the the damage that that smoke is causing is called an externality and the carbon tax the idea of having carbon credits is that for the longest time, all of these businesses that are very carbon intensive have been able to be, get away with not having to pay for this externality of what they do contributes to global warming that everybody suffers for and everyone pays the consequences for. But the businesses are the ones causing it, but they're not the ones suffering the consequences as much as everybody else is. And so if you can make it more expensive for a business to run that's heavy on carbon, then either the business is going to 
have to spend more money to pay for that carbon or more likely try and find ways of reducing their carbon impact so that they don't have to spend as much money on these cars. So, so it's, a, it's a disincentive. Yep. But it's still allowing them to do business the way that they, which is kind of what I'm getting at. If but if you take, have, if you take if the money, money, if they have it now there, yeah, there's a, they're disincentivized from doing so. But to me, it screams it kind of the same, it's in the same vein as when the church was selling indulgences. So if you were rich enough, you could basically buy back your sins, but you could continue to sin. So, yeah, obviously, I think that's a fair analogy. Uh, you know, obviously, like that would be a disincentive to be sinning. But if you had enough money, like, you know, you could get away with with fucking your neighbor's wife because nobody knew about it. But, but you and her, but you felt bad about it. But then. You, you paid, paid for it. You, you paid God. So right? the question so. then is the revenue that's generated from these carbon offset credits. If that money is used to fund things that reduce the carbon in the atmosphere. So like there's all sorts of technologies out there to sequester carbon, to basically take carbon from the atmosphere and put it into a solid form of some form uh, of some sort. Yeah. And now you've got less carbon in the atmosphere. The problem is that like there's not the, the, the technology is not very advanced yet. The technology that works well is really expensive and it's not implemented very much largely because it's not profitable. So if you can take this industry that's not profitable, but is beneficial to the entire globe. Well, if you subsidize that industry by taxing the people that are producing the carbon, then you could take the money and use it to reduce the impact. So you can say, yeah, you're buying indulgences, but at the same time, we're using money to pay for the harm that your indulgences caused. And we're in a way yeah, so they're offsetting them completely. Yeah, but, but again, it doesn't seem, it just seems silly that you can still keep doing it. And that's, well, the other thing would be that you, it probably, if you do the pricing structure correctly, then you could have it in graduated amounts where like businesses that don't contribute too much, don't pay a lot. And then as you produce more, your rate per ton of carbon produced goes up. So like, let's say your first carbon ton is a penny and then at a hundred it's 10 cents and then at a million it's a dollar. So like, you exponentially pay more if you're really, really dirty. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And then there, there, there becomes a limit for all businesses, at which point it's unsustainable for them to operate the way they are because they can't afford to pay for the carbon that they're producing. I don't, I don't think we're pushing it that hard, though. I, just, well, I think you're, you're basically you know, pricing the indulgences at different different values, ver, you know, versus the severity of the sin. Just right? the volume. It's your first indulgence costs you a dollar. Yeah. Your, your, your first five <laughs> indulgences are a dollar each. Your next 20 are $5. Your next 50 are $100. And then your next 100 are $100 each. So like eventually, it, and if you, if you do the, the pricing structure right, you get to the point where nobody's going to be able to afford their next indulgence. And so then indulgences, in theory, would stop because then you're going to actually suffer consequences where like 
maybe your business gets shut down or someone goes to jail. Yeah, I'm just, this, this I, is pie in the sky. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But like, no. it, the but, the question of like, how do you price the carbon off offset credits to get businesses to reduce their carbon input? Like, how do you do the pricing? That's something that neck like an economist can just create a pricing model and figure it out. Like, I don't I haven't done the research, but these are like really easy problems for economists to solve. Because it's just looking at numbers. Yes, an economist can solve it, but then governments of large nations need to agree on them. Right. And We've tried nothing and we're out of ideas. And I, w- I was just going to ask you to repeat the line. And that's that's really what it feels like to me is that we're just, you know, I'm not not a big fan of any, any kind of loud trumpeting extremist person. Um, but I'll give it to Greta Thunberg or Thunberg, whatever her name is. I don't particularly like her just just because for the same reason I don't like Bill Maher is like they're they kind of well, I think he he's kind of has a bit more discord and discussion. Um, but I think she's doing something great. I think it's it's nice to have somebody kind of standing up, you know, as uh, as the Lorax saying, I speak for the trees. Uh, and I, I think that's great what she's doing. But uh, but I, I don't I haven't really seen any other sides of her. To me, she's like a one dimensional figure. And she represents one thing. And that's what I don't like about about these kind of Trumpy type people. Um, yeah, but I think it's, I, I think it's I a think great thing correct. that she's doing. I, I, I think that she's a what she's doing. You know, she has a great goal. And I think I think that's all great. Like, I'm all all for what she's doing. I just, you know, I just can't kind of relate to her or see her as like just kind of a thing in my mind, which is a weird, weird way to describe that. Yeah, my opinion is really similar is that it's it's one dimensional. There, there's no depth there. She's single issue and she's diehard about it. And sometimes I think she's needlessly alarmist. But at the same time, like who else is doing it? Right. She's serving a, a purpose that nobody else is, which is constantly drawing attention to a real issue that does need to be addressed. Yeah. And she's actually there's a there's a, an album by the 1975 and she kind of like uh, she's in the intro to the album and just kind of talks through about like what's happening with the environment. But uh, but even remember back in the day with Al Gore uh, and his uh, an inconvenient truth like that was very alarming for anybody who watched it, but kind of came and went and it's behind us now. But unlike Greta, that was as far as I know, like Al Gore's like opus and then that was it you know he just kind of disappeared after uh the election so i'm sure he gives speaking tours and stuff like that but 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 do you or i hear about him no and that's kind of kind of what i'm getting at so so props to greta but also you know it would it would be nice to see her more than one dimensionally um because it's it's just it makes it difficult to like relate to relate to that just when somebody's constantly saying one thing even if you agree with them you you just kind of tune them out mm-hmm. um all right what else what else uh do we have going on here on our list well, of topics so i thought it was it was funny like a, i don't know exactly when the date was i feel like it was maybe by like last friday or something that the NYPD the city had a rule that all police officers in the NYPD had to be vaccinated by a certain date. And it might've been last Friday and it was last Friday, all yeah. police officers got really upset because they didn't want to get vaccinated. And like they went on part uh, on marches with like, we won't comply. 
which I don't think I have to explain the irony there. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, the police union said that like as many as 10,000 officers wouldn't like leave the force or something like that, which to what I say is like, good. Like if you've got people on the force that are that opposed to obeying the law, then maybe they shouldn't be police officers. Well, but it, it, at the end of the day, it was 34 officers that quit. Yeah, out of out of thousands and thousands of there's them. forty thousand officers on the NYPD. Well, uh, yeah, some of these guys are traffic officers, but it uh, doesn't matter. It's a- no, I, I'm a, yeah, I, I agree. And there, and of of all of them, there was a very very slight minority that ended up quitting. And it's I have I have a strange feeling about this vaccine mandate. I uh, like I'm not for it. But also, I think about like all the vaccines that you have to get to do almost anything in the world as it is. Like you want to travel to Africa, you got to get vaccines. You want to go to school as a kid, you have to get vaccines. There's you got to fucking give your pets vaccines in order to like have them as approved animals. Otherwise, it's like animal abuse if you don't get your pets vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Uh, So most people are getting their their vaccinations and getting those and their loved ones and everybody around them vaccinated. And for the most part, those are mandates. It's just that uh, this is just so political right now. And people are choosing. Why sides. is it political, though? Uh, I blame the media and I also blame Trump. And I, I think they kind of go hand in hand because they really played so off of each other. The media loves Trump because he says ridiculous things that catch attention. And Trump loves the media because the only thing he cares more about than himself is attention for himself. Sure. But but the media is also still talking about coronavirus on a regular nonstop basis. If I turn the radio on right now, they're still talking about like within the next 30 seconds, the topic of coronavirus will come up. And that's it's just they're letting this thing perpetuate and and well because it's still really bad and it, it was never that bad no first of all you lived in new york city like new york city hospitals were overwhelmed for like six weeks straight and that pattern followed in many other cities and in in areas that have low vaccination rates right now like COVID patients make up most of these people were elderly. It doesn't matter. The, the, The reason why it's important for everyone to get vaccinated is that even if vaccines don't do a great job of preventing infection, they do a fantastic job at preventing hospitalization, at preventing severe cases. And so if you've got people just through the normal course of life that have to go to the hospital for non-COVID things and the hospital is full because of unvaccinated COVID patients, then all these non-vaccinated COVID patients are causing other people to not be able to get services that they should be able to get. I, I will completely agree with you there, but I think that we have exaggerated the severity of it. And again, I'm not against the mandates. I actually realize that many other things in life you have to get vaccinated for. For example, if I was going to Africa, I would get the whatever vaccines it is that you need to get when you're going to Africa. 
um, that would make a lot of sense to me. But because of how politicized it was, and because it's not really a vaccine that that many people need to get, especially five-year-olds. Um, well, it's not even a pro- approved for five-year-olds it, yet, I don't it, think. It was, it, uh, I don't know where, but I, my understanding it was approved today for five to 11-year-olds. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, but five to 11-year-olds aren't really getting it, so. Get, to some degree, but it's, it's again, the like, if you've got, you have to look at vaccines and, and disease in terms of nodes. And so, like, if you have infection, infectious person and an infectious person, like it can jump. And so, like, if you if and it can only jump so far. So if you make it so that it's farther for it to jump by by removing nodes around an infected person by being vaccinated, then even if the kids, a lot of kids probably got it and just never showed symptoms, but were still infectious. And, like, yeah, you, and, you, and able to transmit. I, I totally get it. I'm I'm just saying that I have mixed feelings on the mandate and I'm not I'm not against it. Right. And why would you have it? Why would you be opposed to it? Like everything, like so, as you said, re- so many other things in, in life we have to be vaccinated for. Yes. And nobody complains or nobody sane complains for the for the most part. This is, you know, even people who already had the virus have to get vaccinated. And, you know, that that to me doesn't make that much sense. But also Um, we should say had a Maria. People that are not susceptible to getting this virus also had to get vaccinated. And the fact that they're giving unnecessary medical procedures, you know, to people that don't really need it to me. And I get it. You're you're I get it where you're going with the node situation. But but again, I'm just. I'm not one side or the other side of this. I'm still indifferent. And, and who does, who does a vaccine mandate harm? Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of time out of your day to go get this fucking vaccine twice. Who does it harm? Uh, that's a, that's a very good question. I don't, so, have a, I don't have a very good answer. I don't have a okay. very good answer for that. Who does it benefit? fat people and old people really everybody <laughs> no, not it, it really benefits everybody. everybody no it doesn't it, it 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 keeps people from who are highly susceptible from dying that's but it also that's, keeps it, it it prevents infection in a lot of people and in the people who do get infected it prevents hospitalization so look hold up hear me a lot of people are against it because they don't they, they think like uh, they're getting like microchipped or uh, they don't trust the technology. I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I'm just thinking that for the, for the most part, most people don't need it because they're healthy and they're, they're the coronavirus isn't going to hurt them, but that's wrong. And people and people who have already had it don't need it either. That's also wrong, that, but that's, but it's not entirely wrong. And that's, that's what I'm the getting first at. part is completely wrong. The second part is half wrong. You're, you're talking about spreading it. I'm talking about if you are a healthy person, there's still the possibility of getting a strong case of it. Like it's, it's completely random. Some people don't show symptoms. Well, it's, Other it's completely people, random, except it's very, very minute chance that it, that it could harm you. And most of the people, the reason that they withheld the nur- nursing home deaths was so that 
that they could use that as a scare tactic that more people are dying. If they release the fact that these people are in their 80s and and their chance of survival over the next six months, irregardless, was close to zero percent because they were in nursing homes and most people die within six months anyways after moving into a nursing home. But you know, hold I, on, you, 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 you're changing the conversation because what you said what I'm is, saying if, you're is healthy, that the majority... if you're a healthy person, you don't need it and that's wrong. It's if you're healthy, there's still the possibility that you could get very sick and end up in the hospital. But but, and but that's even not if how, it's but a that's small, not how we make that's not how we make laws. You know, somebody who's who has sight can cross the road and still get hit by a car. But you know, people still cross roads. That's you know, it's okay. It's, but we 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 got to change the topic because you you're asking me to defend. You're asking me to defend something that my mind's not made up on. And I'm no, what I'm trying to do is get you to realize that you're wrong about two key factors that are causing you to be uncertain about it. And if you remove those factors, your certainty will go up considerably. But I disagree with you on those factors. I disagree with you on the factor that it's dangerous to people in their 20s and 30s and teens and six year olds who aren't getting it. But it is. And, you know, anybody. No, it's not. How many people do you know? In from from anecdotal evidence old, is not does not work here. You have to look old, at, but but find the number of people that you know, one years old. To no, no, no. People that you that know doesn't dying. work. You can't use that argument because that you have to look at aggregate okay. statistics so, here. So let's look at the aggregate statistics, and then we find out that the majority of people that died in New York were senior citizens, and that information was withheld from us. Yes, but so, if you have look and also and also have anybody, small ch- listen. anybody who anybody who died, whether they died from coronavirus, or they died from something else. If they had coronavirus or marked as a coronavirus ca- coronavirus casualty is no, no, no. Look, again, you're not letting me make my point because you're because you're you're asking me to agree with you on something that my mind's not made up on because you haven't let me make my point. <laughs> you haven't you, I haven't agreed to your point, but I'll hear you out again. No, I haven't finished making my point because you keep on interrupting me and changing the subject. All right, go ahead. That even if it's a relatively rare occurrence for someone who's healthy to have severe complications from COVID, the, the highly infectious nature of it means that if you have a lot of people that get it, even those small chances end up becoming large numbers of people that have it. It's if you have a one in a hundred chance or a one in a thousand chance, that's not very high. But if you infect a million people and there's that one in 1000 chance, that's 1000 people that are having a severe reaction. Hospitals have limited capacity. And so for even though healthy people aren't going to likely suffer really bad outcomes from a COVID infection, that 1% or 0.1% that do, if you have enough people that are infected, then those people need to go to a hospital and they take up space that hospitals can't use for other people that badly need it. And you can't look and say, well, most people are going to be fine because the small people that aren't fine take away valuable resources for other people who don't have the option. I feel you on that. And I I recognize that I don't, and, and this is kind of where we have a difference in opinion. I definitely see what you're saying. You're, you know, you're saying somebody who needs a, a, a heart transplant can't get their heart, heart transplant and die because people didn't get vaccinated and the hospitals were overrun. 
effective. Yes, and okay. the more you have, the more people you have vaccinated, like the less severe outcomes you have. So you take that one in one thousand chance of an unvaccinated person and make it a one in one million chance that they're going to the hospital with a COVID with with a COVID infection. So you you reduce the amount of severe outcomes, and that means that less people that get infected with COVID go to the hospital, which means that hospitals have more resources for other emergencies that happen at some incidence level. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not disagreeing on that. What, I, what I'm disagreeing as, uh, on is the portrayed severity of coronavirus and the push to get the vaccine. If this is polio, I might feel a bit differently. Most, most cases of polio don't have negative outcomes. Most, not, most cases, of polio, a lot of, no, no, no. Even before, like for for you to be in an iron lung because of polio, it's not like everyone who got polio ended up in an iron lung. It wasn't like, um, what was the really bad disease that was like in Africa, like three or four years ago? Ebola. Yeah. Ebola. It's not like Ebola where like something like 60 to 80% of people that get Ebola die. Like polio was a very small portion of people that got polio that ended up being paralyzed or being in an iron lung. All right. Well, look, I want to, you, again, I'm more for the mandate than not. I'm just not fully sold on it. So, and I got the vaccine. You know, I, 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 you know, I totally get it. My mind's just not a hundred percent on it. And that's right. And so what I'm telling you is that, one of the reasons that you gave is misinformed to the point of being wrong. And like part of like rec, like with, with the girl that I'm seeing right now, I have this conversation all the time where I talk about things that I think that I think might be wrong and she can help me correct because she's got very different experiences than me. And so I'll go in saying like, I might be misinformed on this help me out here. And it's, you have to realize that when you don't know all the facts, you might be wrong and be willing to accept that there's a different possibility here. And what you're saying about healthy people not needing the vaccine because it won't, because the chances of them getting very sick misses a lot of other things. I know of no one under 40 years old who was healthy who's been affected. That's, I know of multiple and I, people, and but I know, again, I know you can't use anecdotal evidence because right. just because you don't know anybody doesn't mean that like the numbers out there speak for themselves, which is that hospitals are still struggling with this. It depends on your location, like areas that are highly vaccinated, much less of a problem. Areas that don't have much vaccination rates are struggling. We got to We got to pivot on the topic because this isn't a, this isn't an episode about coronavirus. This is just on the vaccine mandate. And you were right that the police, even though they mandated this and, and they were protesting and predicting that so many police officers were just going to quit and the city was going to be anarchy and chaos, didn't happen. Only 34 of 40,000 mm-hmm. actually quit. However, because... the, the fire department, the sanitation services are actually like 20% of people didn't show up to work. So that's... Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just heard it on the news on the ride home. That's how I was texting you guys when I was driving, but I couldn't continue the conversation because I was, I was driving, but yeah, they were like, Oh, See, it's that, a great, that... it's a great success. 92% of, of city workers got it. And the, and then the, the uh, host of the radio show was like, well, 
can you tell us a little more about the fire department? They're like, well, only four to five people in the fire department, the sanitation service got the vaccine. Um, but considering that uh, 200,000 people got it that work for the city, uh, which an overwhelm, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big success. And I was like, well, but OK, how are we defining success here? It's interesting to me because I, I thought that this this rule applied to all city workers. So like those 20 percent of firefighters that didn't get the vaccine, are they going to get fired? Well, they they haven't showed up to work. They've been calling in sick. Um, and the fire department sanitation services are the ones that are going to have the biggest issue. And we'll see how that plays out over the next week. Uh, I have an agent who's also a firefighter. And he said, look, you know, for the foreseeable future, I can't work. I need to be there working overtime every single day uh, because we're super short staffed. So, right. So it's another case of your selfishness affects others negatively. Exactly. So. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about I'm talk about Black Friday. Uh, I want to hear what your debate was. I have some history. I have some history on Black Friday. So, to, I'll, you tell me what your debate was. You tell right, me so your the stance. Debate. I was talking about uh, how much I like Thanksgiving because it's one of the few holidays that I think hasn't really been commercialized. Thanksgiving is a day where you get together with family and friends. You have a whole bunch of good food and you just chill and not worry about things like Completely you, agree with you. you don't have to buy gifts for anybody you don't have to like all you have to do is just like show up and relax there's unless no you're, unless you're cooking but right but that's like that's like, like one not, out of yeah, yeah it's like one out of the entire family maybe a couple well no it's like <laughs> even like yeah you have to spend some money on the holiday but it's not like it's commercialized where there's go ahead well yeah we're like you're it's shopping for, shopping for thanksgiving isn't a thing unless you're talking about food, but then it's just a large every, meal. Every like, holiday and family gathering, that's the, the cost of overhead to, you know. To yeah. And so um, the other side of this argument was that it is commercialized because Black Friday is like the most commercialized, like, is like the biggest commercial day of the year. And that happens the day after Thanksgiving. And I said, I don't see the two as related. I see Black Friday as its own thing. Thanksgiving stands on its own. Well, look, let's let let's back up. One, I I I agree. I'm on your side of the argument. Thanksgiving is not a commercialized holiday. It is probably the least of the commercialized holidays, unless you group it in there with like New Year's, President's Day, New Year's. Yeah, but New Year's, you're really encouraged to go out and go to parties. Um, and and new year's you you're much more likely to go out to a bar to celebrate but like you can have new year's parties at home that are going to look really similar to thanksgiving which is more alcohol more alcohol but also there's going to be like uh party favors and stuff like that you don't yeah, have that you're not so really I'm, buying gifts for new year's in some cultures they do but back to thanksgiving there's no it's just food and that's any any holiday get together there's there's food that's a prerequisite so I agree with you there. I will say, though, on the commercialization of Thanksgiving, uh, I uh, I don't I don't know if it was intentional, but I somehow subscribed to like emails and things from retailers. And um, there's a lot of commercialism behind Thanksgiving in the sense that like they want you to decorate your house and buy different plates and set the table differently and buy this gadget or that gadget to help you cook your turkey. So there is that element of the commercialization. But but I would say, for the most part, 
it's the one of the biggest and most celebrated holidays that is the least commercial. Yeah, it, like there's still some commercialization, sure, but like yeah. you compare it to like Christmas. Now, do I group do I group Black Friday as a Thanksgiving related holiday or as a Christmas related holiday? And in my mind, I have a pretty pretty thick kind of steel wall that just just drives right between Thanksgiving and the holiday season. So I, I don't to even me, like Thanksgiving is the start of the holiday season and uh, Black Friday is the start of Christmas season. Yeah, exactly. It's a different it's a different holiday. That's that's a good way to look at it. So, look, I, I, I did a little research on uh, the history of Black Friday. I thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. In, in our time rem- remaining, because it's actually it's pretty cool. So uh, Black Friday and Black Saturday, uh, that was there. It, it first appeared in 1951, 1952 uh, in two places, Philadelphia and Rochester. It was a police term used to describe the crazy crowds and congestion and traffic from people shopping after after Thanksgiving. So Friday and Saturday were called Black Saturday, Black Friday, because there were crazy crowds like blackouts, crazy traffic. And the police traditionally um, the term black whatever was used to describe kind of calamities. Yeah. Right. So uh, the police were were kind of nicknaming it that uh, because it was really a calamity in Philadelphia and Rochester. Uh, However, first time it was used uh, in publication was a trade publication called Factory Management and Maintenance. And I actually like this one. Um, And this is in 1951. So this is basically a trade publication that if you like run a factory, you're maybe subscribing to Uh, workers were taking the day off on Friday after Thanksgiving so they could have a four-day weekend. And basically their productions came to a halt because everybody was calling out. Okay. So I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, when, when did the term, because like I've always understood Black Friday in like it's when businesses go into the black for the yes. year. Okay. When did that I, come around? I, I'll get there in, in just a second, but, but let, me, let me segue here. So... In 19, because it's not for another couple decades that they start referring to the profitability of the business during the holidays. So 1961, the city of Philadelphia, so the city and their uh, merchants, like the big big box stores in downtown Philadelphia, tried to rebrand it not as Black Friday and Black Saturday, but as Big Friday and Big Saturday. Okay. (laughs) Didn't catch on. Uh, although I like, the, I like the effort uh, and then the term Black Friday first appeared in the New York Times which is a slightly bigger publication than the factory management and maintenance trade publication uh, first appeared in the New York Times in 1975 uh, and some question over it because Black Friday was, was traditionally used for like really bad times but by 1975 it was almost a celebrated uh celebrated holiday so it wasn't until the 80s that it became known the connotation behind black friday wasn't as a calamity uh, kind of negative background but that businesses went from being in the red to being in the green so basically businesses retailers operated at a at a loss for the majority of the year 
until they hit their holiday uh, revenues where people started spending big, big money in the stores. And if you think about it, that's when stocks became big and, and, you know, fully understanding a company's uh, financials from a stockholder's perspective was uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's kind of well-known and more and, prevalent. Yeah. More prevalent is, is probably the best way to describe that. So, uh, so in the eighties was when it got the connotation that we understand it as today so that businesses went from uh, not being profitable to, to having a positive revenue um, or profitable revenue. So interestingly though, um, I started uh, reading about, uh, and this is a, a couple of articles and then basically following the Wikipedia page, but uh, Thanksgiving parades were sponsored by major retailers as basically an advertising promo for themselves. Um, so a big one was obviously Macy's, and that marked the start of the big holiday advertising push. And it was somewhat of an unwritten rule that you wouldn't advertise holiday sales prior to Thanksgiving. So you wouldn't advertise Christmas sales and you wouldn't overlap that with the Thanksgiving holiday. Because yeah, I Christmas, wish that we could go back to that. Well, I, I'm going to get into how it slipped into how it slipped into now. Well, we're advertising for Christmas as of basically today, before, before even before Halloween, before Halloween. When my roommate was looking for like Halloween candy and Halloween a Halloween costume, he went to Target, and he's yeah. like, "There's already like three aisles in Target for Christmas shit." Dude, two or three weeks ago, Home Depot had most of their Halloween shit sold out. Home Depot had a full set of Christmas trees up. And this is at least two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. So look, so the parades marked the start of the big advertising push because before Thanksgiving, they couldn't advertise for Christmas. Um, and, and this goes back before we get into Black Friday. Um, but... In the 1930s, there was some controversy because these businesses wanted to advertise their holiday sales prior to the Christmas season, which is post-Thanksgiving. So there's a little controversy. Um, and then FDR actually set Thanksgiving as uh, the fourth Thursday in November. And then subsequently, Congress signed that into into existence but uh but that meant that being the fourth thursday in uh november that some years there's an extra week in there and uh retailers could advertise a little bit longer uh let's see so back in the day how did you get ads newspaper newspaper, newspaper that, radio radio and then you know commercials weren't the way they are now until like the late fifties and sixties is when they really became prevalent in kind of the sense that they are now. Uh, but back in the day, there was no internet. You didn't have crazy Nerf gun commercials and Lego commercials and Barbie princess commercials. Every, every single commercial in between your TV show, like you do today. Um, but we've had this rise of online advertising and I, uh, I learned that in 2009, so basically the sales would start, you know, 7 a.m. on Friday after Thanksgiving. And then stores would open up a little bit earlier, 5 or 6 a.m. So people could rush in there early, trample each other. 
And then in 2009, and you get the sales in your newspaper on Thanksgiving to go out the next day. They tell you what time the store opened, right? Mm -hmm. In 2009, Kmart opened their doors at 7 p.m. Thanksgiving night. Yeah, pre-Black Friday sales. Exactly. And uh, and from there, it was really a, a rapid decline. Yo, I'm going to make a, I'm willing to make a bet right now. Not, not a it? bet, uh, a proposition. So, so I didn't know exactly what year this started. So thank you for telling me it was 2009. But like with all these stores having Thanksgiving Day sales, which I think is really terrible. Like that's a day that you should be able to just chill with your family. Don't go to, don't have to go work a terrible retail job. But with the, the, like great resignation that we're seeing right now where a lot of people are just saying, you know what, I'm not working this low paid job, like pay me better or treat me better, but I'm not sticking mm -hmm. around for these current conditions. I'm willing to bet that a lot of retailers are not going to be doing Thanksgiving day sales this year. That's uh very interesting. So, uh, the workers are just going to be like, no, we're not doing it. So Jen, Jen says, uh, cyber Mondays. I'll get there in a second. I wanted to, uh, to uh to say hi to ronald and dante uh i saw a couple of people join i didn't get a chance to say hi but yeah so we've had this they've been backing it up and backing it up and we're no longer we're no longer looking at thanksgiving as anything sacred anymore all the stores are open thanksgiving they're all open easter they're uh, it, for the most part it's been the christian holidays in the u.s that businesses have been closed um but and you know, and, and any of the other big Jewish holidays or Muslim holidays, for the most part, the retail world didn't uh, didn't shudder for. But now they're not even shuddering for the big Christian holidays, which I, uh, for the most part, I'm okay with. But I do like the idea. I remember being kids where things were closed and you were kind of forced to spend the time with your family. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, even if your living situation wasn't great, you were you were just you had to make the best of it. Um, but I do think you make a really good point is that if you can't get somebody to work for whatever your local minimum wage is, why wouldn't that person rather just be, if somebody's going to make like $47 for a fucking work day, um, you know, why not just stay at home? Especially considering the cost of gas. Well, and that's what you're seeing right now is that oh, so many people are quitting these bad jobs and that like these, these employers are realizing that, what they used to be able to hire people for isn't cutting it anymore. And so wages are going up and they're going to continue to go up while workers basically say, what you're offering me isn't worth it. Well, also with the unemployment situation too. It's That's becoming less and less of a factor um, as well, people's benefits either time out or the state and federal government roll back the well, generosity look, I, of the benefits. I want to I want to talk about Cyber Monday real quick and online advertising, but real yeah, on that go note, ahead. because I feel like we could do a whole episode about it. But by thinking recently, I was walking down the street, seeing a lot of help wanted signs, and I was thinking that if you can basically live in poverty, if you can work really hard for a minimum wage job and basically live in poverty, not much better than that, um, or you can not work at all and still live at the same standard of living in poverty, but with all the federal and, and state programs, why would you have a job in these minimum wage? You know, I was, I was walking kind of down a crummy block, seeing help wanted signs thinking like I would never work here. And if I was working here, what, where could I afford living? And, and, 
and then I was thinking like, but if, if that was the type of place that I could afford living in, there's gotta be a lot of people that are just on subsidies that are living there. And well, not a lot of them, even if they're not, if you're working some of these jobs for eight fifty or $9 an hour, um, you may be working multiple jobs. Is you might be working you're... multiple jobs, but yeah. even if you're not on getting any kind of unemployment because you're employed, yeah. a lot of those people are getting other forms of government assistance, either through like rent subsidies or like food stamps or WIC. Or... Sure, but my point is, yeah, which is good, which is good. You know, they should be taking advantage of those things. I think those things are those things are really good, especially if you're working hard. But my point was, why bust your ass when you could when you could just live a much more peaceful life and it wouldn't be any worse off really. Right. And so the thing that we've seen in the last year is that people have realized, you know what, working eight hours a day for $8 and 50 cents an hour, isn't that much different than not working at all. Yep. And now I don't have to deal with a terrible work environment. That's yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking about. So look, look I want to talk about the, so we had the advertise in the newspaper, the print, print ads coming through saying you can come in 5 a.m. You can come in the day before. Um, and now you have people don't go to stores the way that they used to even five or six years ago. You have all these people buying stuff online and the Let online me ask you this. sales, the online sales don't open at 7 p.m. or 5 a.m. They're just whenever. So we're kind of, you know, there's a bit of a the idea of black Friday starting at 6 AM is, is going to be kind of a notion that that just kind of evaporates from people's minds. Let me ask you this for the gifts that you're going to be buying this year or the things that you're going to be buying for yourself during the holiday season. What percentage of those things are you going to be buying in an actual store? You bring up a really good point. Cause I've actually thought about myself. Usually I actually, I, I, I typically, when I'm trying to buy something for somebody, especially if trying to come up with a very thoughtful gift and I don't have anything in my mind, I'll browse online a little bit, but a lot of times, especially if I'm down to the wire, which, you know, I was always, if I did any homework, it was always the night before it was due. And, and that was usually like the reports that a quarter of your grade depended on. Um, so, uh, but that's the same way I shop for Christmas presents, kind of last minute shopping. So in Manhattan, I knew where I would go. I, you know, I go to places that had lots of stores. Now that I'm out in the suburbs, I actually kind of envision myself like going to the mall and, and trying to navigate through the mall. And I couldn't, I couldn't get a good vision of it because I hadn't spent that much time in, in shopping malls lately. But you, you bring up a good point. How much shopping am I going to physically do in the store? And as I opposed would, to ordering things online, I would say a solid 80% of my shopping will be done online. I was going to say that for me, it would probably be about the same, if not a little bit higher. Which that makes you think, what is Black Friday if people aren't physically going to the stores? And are we only having those sales on the following Monday? And if you don't set these big releases for the sales, Cyber Monday, boom, everything's going to be 50% off. Or Black Friday, in-store only, everything's going to be 50% off. If you kind of dissolve that over the course of like, well, starting Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we're going to start having buy one, get one or buy one, get one 50% off. And then on the Friday after we're going to do this, it, it kind of dissolves. 
And, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like if you can't have exclusionary sales, right. Where you're, it's, it's, it's only a certain time and you're building up that scarcity, then well, without the scarcity element, what's pushing people to rush in? Obviously people are well, buying stuff no matter what. There's another aspect of scarcity that, scarcity that we're seeing this year, which is on the supply side for a variety of reasons. Inventory oh, yeah. is low in all sorts of areas. So a lot of stores can't really offer too many sales because they don't have as much as they normally would to sell. Very good point. Uh, yeah. Hmm. You just, <laughs> you just hit a hot point in my head. Cause I got to, I got some major beef with my local Home Depot store manager. And, oh, uh, MJ uh, says online is the way to go. Who wants to deal with the crowds? And I, yeah, like I can just order. It'll be the same price or cheaper for me to stay at home the entire time. And by the way, it gets brought to my front door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I was just going to say, I've been going to the same Home Depot for the last year. And I've noticed that like, this the the stock is is really missing there a lot of the shelves are just fucking empty and uh i, I wonder if it's just a lousy store manager which i actually no, probably isn't think it may be but uh but yeah there's a good chance it's supply chain issues no the store the the, the store manager has very little say as to what goes on their shelves well but maybe they're not doing a very good job keeping the inventory no they don't do that either like oh. For these giant stores, the the inventory is not something that's directly controlled by them. That's handled at the corporate level. So the only thing that would really be directly controlled by the stores is like how accurate the staff is when they are scanning in freight to receive it or scanning out freight when they sell it at the front. But well, what what if you do the self self checkout? The, the, it, still, I try it's like, to be as I try to be as inaccurate as possible. Well, sure, but like you, I mean, the, hey, the only if the only if things that the store me, controls. If they're, if they're hiring me as a temporary uh, sales clerk to check out myself, I just like to say they did a very poor interview because I'm not very good at checking things. Yeah, out. Yeah, but when it comes to these giant retail operations, like in terms of managing the inventory at the store level, the only controls that really exist at the store level is how accurate are the staff at scanning in the freight to the computer system and how accurate is the point of sale software at recording inventory when it is sold which is but probably like probably. The, the store manager isn't going to be able to like walk around the lumber section and say we're short on two by fours i guess i need to order more that's not a decision the store manager makes that's uh, something that like home depot corporate is going to see and they're just be like well we don't have any two by fours to uh, send you. we got we got about a minute 30 seconds left i want to share a quick story with you i don't know if you recall this the year that we uh a couple of my friends went to crossgates mall to do some christmas shopping we stopped at a hula hands or one of these like fridays that was type of places that was in the mall and uh, one of our friends decided he was going to treat us to drinks. And we were there for like three or four hours, got hammered. This guy disappeared. And uh, my other friend got really kind of too drunk. And uh, he, he had a family member that actually happened to stop by, gave him a ride home. I was stuck at the restaurant and had to spend all of my money to bail us out, all of my shopping money to bail us out of this bar bill. Do you remember that story? 
I remember that it became a tradition for you to get drunk at at Hands. <laughs> well, nobody nobody likes uh, nobody likes Christmas shopping. From uh, from Ronald, quick comment says, even the person in charge of a specific section doesn't know anything about that section. He's talking about Home Depot. No, yeah, yeah he's, he's right. Yeah, that's true. Everything's everything's online. Um, all right, guys, we're uh, hi Cocoa Bar and Super Far. Uh, super far says be thankful and that is the spirit of thanksgiving yep. uh, on that note guys thank you for having us on uh, the display of your cellular phone this is it this is the end thank you rosh galeb and happy birthday that's why we missed last thursday we we're celebrating rosh's birthday thank you for feeding us the comments thank you james for joining we'll see you guys next time cheers guys adios all right you have reached the other end this end is the end thank you for uh tuning in thank you for being here thank you uh Thank you for listening this far, at least. Uh, I'll see you guys next time. And please don't forget, like, subscribe, share the video, comment. Anything you do, any interaction, as I always say, helps us. And uh, I truly appreciate that. See you guys next time. Thank you. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.